Uh, it seems that there's a detective afoot. The case is afoot <laughs> as we enter into the weekend, eh, Lucas? Oh, I'm seeing it. I don't know about your plans, but I'm seeing uh, Detective Pikachu. Uh, I think it's the official The official title is Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu. Let me, let me get, really get my ducks in a row because we're getting my Googling segment out of the out of the way out of the way right off the bat because I want to make sure that I have all of this stuff. Um, I would not want to you know befoul, uh, befoul Pikachu's Pikachu's good name. Uh, okay, so we have yes, it is Pokemon colon Detective Pikachu, currently at sixty seven percent on the tomato meter. That's not that. That's not that bad. I guess. I, I guess I, I, could be believe- better, but it could be worse. I believe that would make it the highest-rated video game movie, most well-reviewed video game movie ever. Better than better than even the original Mortal Kombat. People really people really like that nowadays. People people uh, that movie's awesome. That movie rules. It's probably my favorite video game movie. Uh, mm. It does not have a good Rotten Tomatoes score. It's got like a twenty-three on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but that's because people. That's because people have no taste. <laughs> of course, that's why. Uh, welcome everybody. It's time for another episode. Not just. Of, uh, well, us talking about Detective Pikachu. I feel like we've been doing that a lot. But of Elwood City Limits, it's the episodic Arthur podcast. And yes, this weekend, myself, Will Young, and my co-host, Lucas Mancini, are going to be doing something very special for our ECL patrons out there. That's right. That's right. We're going to be watching Detective Pikachu and then reviewing it. And it'll be up on the Patreon because that's what that's what the people demanded and asking you shall receive. I'm seeing it tomorrow. When are you getting out to see it? So unfortunately, I mean, this is kind of the this is the bummer of it all is that when we made that when we made that tier several months ago, the idea was that, well, it's probably, you know, opening weekend. There's probably going to be a million opportunities for me to see it. And now I'm looking at like what is actually a pretty busy week. I'm not going to be able to, to get it to see it probably till Sunday. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's okay. It's later well, than it's s- later than I'd like. It's still opening weekend. You're still part of the uh, cultural zeitgeist. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. So I'll you'll be seeing it tomorrow. I'll be seeing it on Sunday, and we'll be putting that review up sooner rather than later on our Elwood City Limits Patreon. So if you uh, haven't subscribed yet, and that sounds like fun to you. It just takes a dollar a month. Lucas, I'm saying all this because um, there's a good chance that this week we have a few new listeners because, Ooh. my man, I, I, I yo, this tweet blew up. Oh, yeah. you're. Ta- <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to talk about your newfound virality. Now, there's been – I don't. this might be parting the kimono too much, but, uh, uh, you know, Will, I just – I'm your, your – uh, humble co-host, really. You do all the hard stuff. You edit the podcast. You run the social media. Um, but you're every every week. There's multiple sort of screen caps and memes um, from throughout the Arthur episode, and, and I more often than not really find them funny. Like there's some you you've been on a roll lately. The one about the Sonic movie trailer got a hearty chuckle out of me. Thank you. Um, but this week, uh, we've gone viral, baby, with the. Uh, the one about it's the picture of Arthur. I mean, this is really good radio. Just describing memes. Uh, check if it out you, on the Elwood City Limits Twitter at ECL Podcast if you haven't. But it's a uh, 
It's pretty good. Pretty good well, meme. And I, and and I said this as much as my on my personal Twitter as well that I can never. I, I it must it, it's a real gift to be able to, um, to kind of di- uh, be able to disclose that kind of virality. This was a complete fluke for me, and it usually is with the ones, um, that end up being like still retweeted and reblogged and shared. Like it's just like hell yeah, this is. This is whatever. Like, honestly, I thought that joke was kind of middle of the road, and I was like, eh, a couple people will find it funny. And we're currently sitting at 374 likes, which is in which is buck friggin' wild to me. And is your phone blowing up? Because I know you got all those notifications turned uh, on. You're, you're not turning off any notifications. 100%. And we have some new followers on our Twitter as well. Thank you, everybody. And if you're, new, if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. You've got a lot of episodes in the backlog and I hope that you enjoy them. Yeah, it's just weird. Like I, I, I'm never able to predict this sort of thing. And it, it's funny because this also kind of blew up. This is like the Twitter exclusive one. Um, the other one that I can think of that really blew up is on. We, we, we did this at least a year ago, if not more. Um, there was a screen cap I took, and it was like. Uh, a couple of like background characters taking a look at like a spiral painting, and then they turn around and their eyes are spirals. Oh, and- the Junji Ito one. Yeah, so that still gets reblogged on Tumblr to this day. Like nice. people, people are still finding that. That's and I was like, it'd be, it'd be, it'll be amazing if somebody gets this. And it turns out hundreds of weird kids like myself on the internet get that sort of thing. So I can't predict it. It's just so funny when it does blow up like that. Turns out the more niche you go, the you know, the more it resonates with people sometimes. I guess so. Uh, but you, Mr. Mr. Marketing, maybe one of these days I should turn the, the keys to the social media over to you. And uh, I know. We- I, 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 if I wasn't so busy, I mean, Will, if I've learned anything from uh, public relations class, it's that, you know, running a social media campaign, you need a strategic plan and it's a full-time job and it's a large-time <laughs> commitment, uh, which there- is why I'm so appreciative with all the hard work you do. But yes, one of these days... Uh, I certainly should get out and tweet more. Hey, listen, I've been trying to be good about posting in the Discord. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. Trust me. Trust me. There is no plan to the things that I do. <laughs> it, like I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Speaking of Patreon content, uh, I just spur of the moment a couple of days ago put up a uh, patron exclusive YouTube video of me looking through my Pog collection that I found. So there's no Ooh. plan. I'm uh, I'm like uh, I'm like Dean Ambrose. I don't go out there with a plan. Oh. I just kind of do things, and sometimes I'm successful. You're unhinged. I'm a yeah. I'm un I'm unstable. 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 Yeah. So that that's that's been a fun part of my week. And well, and once again, uh, hello to everybody who might be listening for the first time. This is a fun. I think this is a fun week that you uh, kind of dropped into our humble podcast here, and we're gonna get to it as we go through. This is now into season seven of Arthur, if you can believe it. Um, as as we uh, get going here, we always like to start off by going to the Elwood City Limits mailbag. That's uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, pretty light this week, but that's okay. We got one from uh, our listener, Norbert. Norbert's uh, email is called Rage Against the DW. Last episode, we were not pleased with the DW representation. Norbert says, as a kid, I was a hardcore DW hater. But having grown up and revisited the series, I've softened up a whole lot, even if she's still my least favorite character. But boy... 
He had it all capitalized and bolded. Did the first episode of the season reawaken some rage. The only thing I wanted to hear from DW was, I have to go now. My planet needs me. <laughs> also, it's interesting to see that they kept up the continuity of DW retiring her Crazy Bus CD. If this episode came out in an earlier season, I'm sure the Mary Moo Cow tape would have been the Crazy Bus CD instead. That's from Norbert, who also says congratulations, Will, on the marriage, and congratulations, Lucas, on finishing school. Um, not quite done. I, I still got to finish out this work term, but I suppose even if I really muck that up, I, I still won't fail. Well, actually, I probably will, actually. So, um, I'm not quite done yet, but it's looking good. All right. Uh, yeah. So we, <laughs> if you want to take a listen to last week's episode, if you haven't heard it, we, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was rough going for DW who we're normally very, very high on, but this week, well, it, it <laughs> I'll tell you, it goes from one of our favorite characters being used not well to one of our least favorite characters, like twice in one episode. <laughs> I, I, I kinda I, I didn't really expect this going into it. And uh I don't I don't want to give anything away as to how we feel, but boy, that uh that really came from out of nowhere. Because this week, we're starting off with Francine's split decision. I didn't know what kind of a split we were talking about here uh, as we were going into this. I was like, is it like a banana split? It's just <laughs> like split ends or something? Yeah, is James McAvoy playing Francine in this episode? <laughs> I actually just watched that for the first time recently. It was on Netflix. It's... Well, hmm. It's okay. Like... Uh, 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 I I don't know people people love that people love that movie um I like it's fine I guess I think he's I, I think not really my cup of tea I think he's really really good in it and I think that M Night M Night Shyamalan has made two and a half good movies and that's not one of them I think uh, that's there, there's my hot take there's my poll quote what's the half what's the half a good one uh, I kind of like the village. Until the until the no, uh, I I like the weird ending. I, I okay, it's, it's the village is just okay in my book. I like the village. I kinda so li- I kind of like it too. I I might bump it up to three. He's made three good movies. Oh, okay, and the others I'm guessing are Six Sense and Unbreakable. Oh yeah, big time, big okay. Unbreakable fan over here. Love Unbreakable. I th- now that's one I want to go back and watch at some point. Uh, I've seen it in a long time. It rules. It's his best movie. <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I, well, I can't lie. I'm a little partial to Signs as well. Oh, you know what? Yeah, okay, three and a half. <laughs> I like Signs. Dude, everybody who... I don't know about you, Will, because you're a little bit older than me, but everybody my, everybody my age uh, has this memory of like watching Signs a little too young and the part where the yeah. alien walks by and like thinking that that was like the craziest thing they've ever seen in their life. Like I have multiple memories of like being babysat and like watching sides and being like, this is so scary. It's a very effective horror movie for like preteens. Like if yeah. you're just starting to dip your toe, signs is a fine place to start. It really does tension pretty well. The first time you're watching it, even if it doesn't totally add up in the end, like it's still a fun ride. I think at least. Lucas, how many episodes have we had of Arthur where the joke with Buster is that he's eating weird ice cream? Oh, like in the opening. Yeah. And you like, know what? I was thinking about this because I, okay, so we're recording, again, uh, going a little bit behind the curtain here. Uh, we're recording before I've eaten supper. Um, and I knew 
you were going to do what you always do, which is uh, ask me, would I eat the concoction that Buster is creating here? Yes. And you know what? Compared to Buster's orders, like, I feel like Buster has ordered some pretty, pretty foul stuff in his day. It made me question, like, why does the ice cream, why does Brains Mom's ice cream shop even have this? Like, why is there, like, fish guts ice cream or whatever? Yeah, or like... And the- this one, this one's got some you know questionable savory choices i think he's got like pepperettes or like so let me let me get into the flavors here it's at the okay. brains mom's ice cream shop okay. so buster requests we don't necessarily I'm, see i'm going to say i'm going to say yes or no to the additions okay let's let's make this into a game okay uh tattoo goo okay actually before we get into the game i yeah. had to ask what the hell is Tattoo Goo? I don't know, dude. Like Tattoo Goo sounds like like a new metal band, like Godsmack or something, <laughs> like or or Puddle of Mud. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, opening for Puddle of Mud. It's Tattoo Goo. Oh yeah, little it's like, pig, little pig. And it's it's like uh, G and then a U with an umlaut. Yes, yes. Tattoo Goo is playing Batista's theme. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what tattoo goo on the, is on the scorpion. The Scorpion King Six soundtrack, <laughs> tattoo goo. Oh, touring with Big Mother Thruster. Yeah, Power Man Five Thousand. Yeah, tattoo goo. Uh, so I don't know what tattoo goo is. So you can feel free to skip that one. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it. That's gonna be a no for me, dog. On the tattoo goo. Okay, calamari crunch. Ooh, calamari. Mm. Okay, I unfortunately might have to say I'd like to be a little bit adventurous, you know me. I'm gonna say no to calamari crunch. Okay, pretzels. And, and I don't cream. know what part. I, I I think it. I think just calamari ice cream might be like still questionable, but I might try it. I think the fact that they're it's crunchy calamari is like extra sus. Right. Yeah. Uh, pretzels and cream. Big yes from your boy. That I, sounds delicious. I, I think I could have guessed that. Now, there's one here that I'm not sure about. It's called Dolce de Lecifin. It sounds like medicine. It, <laughs> it does. Like well, it's, well it's, a, it's a takeoff of Dolce de Leche, but I don't know what Lecifin is. Hey, I'll try anything once. Yes. That's going to be a yes from me. Okay. And we're, we're leaning off. Dolce de Lecifin sounds like a future, like Future's new album, his new mixtape. <laughs> 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 Dolce. Dolce. Dolce for the Lissafin. Dolce for Promise I swear. Dolce. The Lissafin. Lissafin sounds like a type of cough syrup. Now that you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and so Bruster has it in a sugar cone with jalapeno jimmies, which he, which he calls like, he calls the sprinkles jimmies, which I think is like a regional thing. Um, I'm I'm gonna say yes to the jalapeno jibbies. Okay, Man. I think I think I think that you know the 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 coolness of the ice cream balances out the heat of the jalapeno jimmies for a sort of umami flavor. Okay, all right. So more yes than no with this concoction, which is, I mean, it's it's I I always think it's kind of funny. Um. You and I vis- you and I visually resemble Arthur and Buster, but we also have the temperament of like the opposite character. So That's you're true. a lot more you're a lot more like Buster. I'm a lot more like Arthur, but 
but the but the opposite is true of our of our looks. So you're all really right. living up to your to your Buster side here. I feel like our looks and our, our sort of swags. Like I feel like I'd be more so caught in the streets wearing an Arthur outfit, and I could see you. You wear polo shirts from time to time. Absolutely. Yeah. Th- though Buster's is more of a rugby shirt, which I've been thinking about. Hey, spring is here. I've been thinking about getting a rugby shirt. Hmm. Might not be a bad idea. Okay, so that's the ice cream, and the the cold open is almost entirely unrelated to uh, the episode. It's just with the theme of, have you ever bitten off more than you can chew? Buster's got this crazy ice cream scoop, and then he actually drops it on the floor, but then he... Uh, like in almost like emergency performs emergency surgery. He's like request the tongs from yeah. brain. And then this is very prop comedy. This is very carrot top Gallagher esque comedy from Buster here. And you know what? I was, I thought it was kind of funny. I was, I was like, all right, we well, don't often see physical comedy in, in Arthur. So I was like, okay. Well, and then Buster says, Oh, I found, I, I found some nuts on the floor and then just eats it. So, <laughs> How, how, how about that? Would you eat it off the floor? Is it that good? Floor nuts. Would I be into the floor nuts? Probably not. Floor nuts. No? Okay. Good to no. know. Good to know where your limit's at. Calamari crunch and no to floor nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this episode is actually not about Buster at all. It's about Francine because the gang is getting ready to be a part of a bowling tournament against Mighty Mountain. And as it turns out, Francine is an ace bowler. So they really need her uh, for the team. They're talking about this at lunch. Uh, Muffy kind of. I, o- I almost thought this this episode was going to be a clip show during this lunch segment because right, it sort of yeah. starts off with they're 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 listing off. They're kind of anxious about playing Mighty Mountain again, and so this is I really uh, got thinking that this might be an inside joke amongst the writers because there's been many episodes up to this point where sort of the the. Uh, the set piece of the episode or sort of the the backdrop of the episode has been this anxiety about, oh, we always get beaten by Mighty Mountain. Yeah. Except that they always end up beating, there's some deus ex machina and they always end up beating Mighty Mountain in the end. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of get this like montage, these flashbacks one after another of Buster kind of like freaking out about, oh, the time Mighty Mountain beat us. And everyone's like, actually, we beat them that time. So I feel like this must be the writers kind of poking fun at themselves being like, we've used this device over and over again, even though, like, if anything, Mighty Mountain should be having these conversations about Elwood City. That, like, oh, we almost beat them, and then this rigor came in and completely won the game for them in the end. Uh, So I thought this was, in a weird, like, almost fourth-wall-breaking way, uh, this was, like, a fun wink and nod from the, uh, the writers. That's a that's a good catch. Um, I don't. It didn't exactly hit me the same way, but I see what you're talking about. You're right. They do uh, do a couple of clips here. I'm struggling to think of. I'm have the episode in front of me. I'm trying to figure out because they do the episode where like Francine and the Brain were fighting and couldn't get on the same page. Uh, I think it was the big blow up from season two. Right, uh, and the and the baseball episode is from when the Brain was really superstitious. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth from just a few episodes ago, actually. Um, did you also notice now, Lucas, I know you kind of missed this in the last episode, but you, did you notice brains new voice? So I uh, two things. Actually, I much more this episode noticed Arthur's new voice. Yeah. Um, it was a lot more apparent that the voice was different and I was actually a little bit more, not a fan of it this time. Like there's some oh, reads okay. where, um, I didn't feel like Arthur was really selling it. Like the Arthur voice, he was a little bit like, "Oh no!" It, it was. It kind of reminded me about when, um, 
when J- I'm a big Seinfeld fan, but one thing of the things about Seinfeld is that Jerry Seinfeld can't really act. Like he just kind of like has this one voice he does when he's supposed to be reacting to something where he's right. like, Oh no, Oh, you can't do that. Where he's like, not really acting. He's just kind of like saying his lines, but I don't want to be a pirate. Yeah. But I don't want to be a pirate. Um, a little bit of that from Arthur in this okay. episode. Not really enough to bug me, but just something I noticed. Um, not sure how I feel about the Brave Voice either. I mean, anything's better than Steven Crowder, but the the Brave Voice, very young sounding. Um, I suppose that's what they want because these Brain and Arthur voices keep aging out, even though uh, Buster is evergreen. Yeah. Uh, but um, the Brain voice is very, very young compared to the voices we've had previously. Almost sounds completely different, but I'm sure it'll grow on me. It's not like he's bad or anything. And it gets, think, the, gets the character across. I think it works. It kind of makes it, to me, it makes him sound a bit more like an egghead. If you, mm. if you, if you yeah, kinda... he's he's, a, he's got more of like a Doogie Howser vibe. Yeah, a little bit, as opposed I... to kind of like the Sheldon vibe that we were getting from him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, they're trying to make sure Francine's good to go for the bowling. Uh, Muffy kind of comes in and is just like, "Hey, can I bowl with you guys? That sounds you know glamorous or whatever it is." And they're like, "Well, can't really have more than four people on a bowling team, but you could be our." fashion consultant because Muffy's like oh my daddy could you know make us some cool bowling shirts so they immediately take advantage of Muffy and just like yeah you could be the fashion consultant whatever just make sure we get some new clothes make sure we look uh, fresh we get a lot of between this and the next episode we get a lot of uh, Muffy a lot of Muffy. Muffy fashion talk yes uh, well, a lot of Muffy but a lot of Muffy you know a lot of Muffy's fashion insights and it got me thinking, you know, Muffy'd probably be a big fan of the Met Gala. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and we we are we are this is the first time we're recording after the Met Gala has taken place. I just thought this might be a good opportunity for you to air any of your Met Gala hot takes you might have. I I mean, look, I'm the last person you should be talking to about fashion. Uh I just I just look at it and be like, "Wow, that's cool." Like that's literally it of just like, "Oh, that that's neat or like that's you know, outlandish or something, but the, you know, it's, I'm not the person to talk to about that sort of thing. Do you have any opinion, style opinions on that? Well, I would just say that Muffy is definitely the type who would like take to Twitter and be like, this is definitely not camp. This is not, uh, how, how dare they interpret camp this way? Uh, but, uh, I thought Celine Dion's outfit was really sick. Uh, I thought that, uh, Kim Kardashian's outfit was like super dope. Uh, yeah, of the men, I thought, like, French Montana did a really good job. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, those, those are my, those are my hot takes. All right. I mean, I wish I had more to say. I, I just honestly don't. Uh, I just think everybody looked, I, everybody looked cool, and I hope they had a good time. But, yeah, good thinking. I can, I somehow completely forgot the Met Gala had just happened. Um, so, everything seems okay for right now. We see Francine, she's actually, like, practicing bowling in her room she's got action figures as uh she's got Polly locket dolls as pins which i thought was cool reminded me did you have a did you have a lawn bowling set when you were a kid well i am italian will so uh <laughs> in lawn ball but we played bocce ball oh bocce ball i love bocce ball oh yeah that was many many a family get together was spent playing bocce ball which is very difficult it's harder than it looks yeah it's fun though i really like do i really liked the a small period of my life where I played bocce ball during the summer. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, uh, mom, Francine's mom comes into the room and Francine is telling her about the bowling tournament and just like, 
Well, it's like, well, actually, on that day, your cousin Seth is having his bar mitzvah. And that actually plays into the episode big time, is that Francine, as we discovered in Arthur's Perfect Christmas, is Jewish. And uh, they're, she has to go to her cousin Seth's bar mitzvah. So I, I liked that this was kind of brought back as a thing. Unfortunately, that means initially that she can't go to the bowling tournament. And so that's when I realized I at first I was like, oh, these are like two episodes that I've definitely never seen before. And then at this point, it dawned on me that this was the classic. And I've seen this episode before, uh, but also I've seen this episode before in like every sitcom ever where it's the classic uh, character has to be in two places at once. And then they learned the error of their ways for, uh, uh, I actually don't know what the moral is supposed to be. I guess don't try to be in two places at once or, I, or I, blood is thicker than water or something like that. I but, can't uh, believe it took Arthur this long for a two places at the same time story. Like it seems like, true. it seems like such a well-worn trope that it, I'm just honestly surprised that they didn't get to it until now. But that's the idea behind the episode is that Francine has to go to, her cousin's bar mitzvah, but she's also going to they. The brain hatches a scheme so that she, um, she so that she can be there and also be at the bowling tournament. And uh, you know, it seems it seems good in the planning stages, but it kind of falls apart later. I also mention uh, the brain goes on a bit of a tangent here when you know Francine's like, I have to go to my cousin's bar mitzvah, and Muffy's like, What's a bar mitzvah? And then like brain. Somebody like types types him into Wikipedia, and he gives the definition of what a bar mitzvah is. This is where I first found out when I was a kid what a bot mitzvah is. Yeah, I had forgotten that there was a different name. Um, pretty much all of my knowledge, you know, if you were to take this is this is more about me than it is about anything else. But if you were to take my grand sum of the knowledge of knowledge about the Jewish faith, mm. it would be from this episode of Arthur. Uh, from the Passover special of Rugrats. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, uh, you know, Coen Brothers movies. Uh, <laughs> and the... A, a, uh, a serious man. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the Drake Hell Yeah f- Right video <laughs> where he uh, re-celebrates his bar mitzvah. Like, all the stuff of, like, reading out the, the Hebrew passage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All all present. In fact, the kind of dual parties of, like, trying to be in two places at once is all present in the, the Drake HYFR video. Okay. Um, I, forgot he, I forgot that he had Jewish heritage. Um, it also reminded me, I had a note here, that the parts where Francine is at the bar mitzvah reminded me of the Hey Arnold episode of uh, where Harold does his bar mitzvah. Great episode of Hey Arnold. I don't think I've seen it. It's a good one. Uh, I would I would recommend you seek it out if you're looking to know a little bit more of a child's version of the Jewish faith. Uh, so they concoct the plan for Francine to, you know, put her bowling uniform under her dress, uh, sneak out at certain times, and it seems like it's all going to work out. But most of this episode is just the plan and its various... Uh, failings and I, I, I liked them crafting the plan. Um, I I thought what I thought they were gonna do was like very Ocean's Eleven style, where sort of yeah, uh, a character is explaining what they're going to do while we see footage of them actually do it, which is like very Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, uh, but but unfortunately, no, that was kind of just a a uh, almost not really a dream sequence, but kind of uh, uh this is how the plan would go Be- if it best went across. Ca- best case scenario, yeah. yeah. Uh, like I, like I say, the plan itself does not exactly go off without a hitch 
uh, Fran- Arthur forgets to put Francine's bowling shoes in the bike that he leaves for her. Uh, she keeps having to like lie essentially to get out of uh, the bar mitzvah. And Francine's a really good liar. Like she's very smooth when she's telling these lies. I thought yeah, that was... Arthur, Arthur, she is not. No play with the glasses here. No, it's like she's kind of used to it. Um, also, the the whole thing when Francine is at the bar mitzvah, because originally she's like, this is going to be so boring and all this kind of stuff. But every time she's there, she finds something else to like about it. Whereas when she goes back to the bowling tournament, you know, something's going wrong. Like she has the wrong size shoes or this or that or like Muffy takes her turn. Uh, and she's you know bowling like a like an amateur with the whole double hands underhand kind of thing, uh, so that ends up leading to kind of the end of the episode. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot of notes from this point on. It's just kind of a very almost prototypical two places at the same time story until Francine eventually gets found out. No, I mean like the only things that you didn't really touch on is that Francine's cousin seems like a cool guy. I think he's the throwaway character of the week. Really? Uh, yep. That, I would I would have guessed somebody else, but I'll uh, I'll save that for later. I feel like they have too many lines of dialogue. I think the classic throwaway character of the week has to be truly throwaway. Uh, but also, um, uh, the bowling ball that Muffy gets is one of those. So here in Canada, I was talking to someone. About, I was actually recently at a bowling alley, so it's yeah. funny that we were watching this episode. Um, and. I, I don't know if this is – this might actually not even be a Canada thing. This might be a Nova Scotia thing because people who were at the party I was at were talking about how they had these in New Brunswick, our neighboring province. But I, um, I think, I think have you I ever know bowled with the about. giant bowling balls, the giant <laughs> bowling balls with the three so, holes? So I have the note about this too because uh, – yes, I have. But it was when what? I went on I, – I have when I went on a field trip to Quebec. Okay, so this must be just a Nova Scotia thing that Maybe. here – Bowling in in popular media, media, whatever I've seen bowling or bowling balls, it's always the giant big ones with the three holes. Yeah, whether the fl- it's like, like the, the, the big Flint, Lebowski, the Flintstones, the Flintstone, the that kind of stuff. Yeah, but when uh, we bowl here in Nova Scotia, it's like tiny. They're like fist sized. Yeah, bowling balls with no holes, so they're small enough that you could kind of wrap your. They're kind of like a baseball, but they're heavy. Um, so they're small enough that you gotta wrap your whole hand around them, so there's no need for like finger holes. And they're uh, all and they're all about the same size, so there's no. Uh, I know that in some like pro bowling, like you can you factor the weight of a certain ball into, uh, you know, a swing, but they're all the same size, so you just kind of underhand chuck them down the lane. Yeah, no, I I had the, I had the same note, and it's funny that you say that. I remember bowling with the three hold, like they're big. Like I I was you know I would have been in grade nine at the time, so they're a little hard to support with just your hand. But they also I found them really fun to bowl with, so I'd love to do it again. Yeah, I don't think a place like that exists in Nova Scotia, and I wonder why. Yeah, it's it's so strange. I, maybe there might be a good reason, or maybe it's just uh you know financial something like that. What ends up happening is that Muffy with her, you know, amateurish posture and like, you know, just chucking it underhand down the lane actually ends up winning them the tournament while Francine is gone because Muffy has to play Francine's turn. And then Francine ends up going back to the bar mitzvah and accidentally wears her bowling shoes. So she gets caught. And at the end of the episode here, she's uh, uh, washing Oliver Frensky's truck. We do see a bit of Oliver in this episode. Um, I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get goofy Oliver again, but it is good to see him. Uh, and Francine kind of coming to the lesson of this episode, which is that I wish that I hadn't paid attention to the bowling tournament 
and I would have just paid attention to my cousin's bar mitzvah because that was way more fun. And then at the end, uh, Brain says, oh, well, your bat mitzvah is coming up in, you know, uh, five years, 24 days, and this many seconds. Now this many seconds, and he gets a sponge thrown at him. And that, <laughs> that's pretty much it. You said it, Spirit. Yeah. I, oh, my God. He's upstairs, and you heard that? That's hilarious. Yeah. A lot of more dog participation these past few episodes. There was he was big time participating last week. Uh, I'm for it, frankly. <laughs> uh, and now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Uh, this, is, this, word... this this has been making a bit of a comeback lately, no? Oh, and I'm excited about it. I love a word from us kids. I always have. I just mm. am big on the 90s nostalgia. I love peep at all the fits from back in the day. And sometimes I feel like at least there's always at least one line from word from us kids where I'm like, oh, my God, this kid's hilarious. Uh, right. For instance, in this one, it was the so they're they're doing timelines. They're basically they're learning time management elementary school. Um, and then one kid <laughs> sneaks the slide in where he's like, and then once school starts, I go to bed. Which is very funny. Uh, yeah, it's they're all making their t- their daily timelines for what they do in a day and what they do in a week. It was just so nice to see like all of these kids with like you know relatively little responsibility of like I get up, I have breakfast, I go to school, I go to band practice. Some days I go to soccer practice, then I go home and read and talk on the phone, and then I go to bed. I'm like, <sighs> what a simpler time it was, eh? One kid uh, plays with their turtle. Yeah. Uh, it did feel a bit like a throwback to the earlier seasons of A Word From Us Kids with the way that they animated some of the kids' drawings and uh, like they were just kind of focusing on one school activity. You know, like in the last episode, they were going on the whale watching tour, which is a bit more kind of outside the classroom. I feel like we haven't gotten one of these in a while. Yeah, we haven't got a good like, uh, oh, man, I'm sorry. I got distracted because it zoomed in on one of the timelines. There's some kind of bizarre activities like, wait a second, let me see if I can pull this back. Um, there's there's a part near the end where they, they zoom in on a big, uh, a big timeline here, and I saw... I think at, at at some point it just says twin cousins, which I don't know if the twin cousins are coming to visit or if if there's just an allotted okay chorus leave school leave for dance okay A plus dance don't know what that is get home from dance <laughs> okay okay get ready for lacrosse okay here we go here we go. School en- okay. Write down homework. School ends. Walk home. Snack. Twin cousins. Homework. Shower. Dry hair. Can't crimp hair. I don't know. PJs and then supper. So twin cousins. Sometime between snack and homework, twin cousins takes place. Don't know what it is. Uh, but it takes place. It seems like okay. She also has signifiers for like where each location is, and twin cousins is at home. So. Interesting. Twin cousins. It's a mystery. Uh, oh, okay. and in between bed and, and uh, okay, so there's also brush teeth again, talk on phone, and then bed. Huh. I mean, like I said, these kids have such a worry-free lives. It's nice to take a peek into their, into their daily schedule. They also had a fun little, like, made-up song that they had the kids sing at the end. And uh, so they like started off with the girls and then ended off with the boys. And I liked how the boys kind of ad libbed a whoop, 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 whoop. 
It's like, like the Marty's, Migos. It's like Marty Skrull's theme music. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and before we get into the second half of our episode, here's a word from us, kids. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Now, Muffy played a large part in the last episode. We didn't hear from her that much, but boy, does she play a huge part in this one. Muffy Goes Metropolitan. Her name's in the title. And this episode, I feel like the writer wanted to get some, or or maybe more people on the creative team. They had some shows they wanted to reference from perhaps their childhood. Um, I don't know if you caught this, Lucas, but the entire cold open here is an homage to a 60s sitcom called That Girl. Really? I did not catch it. I was just excited that the episode was starting with a song. Yeah, so the song is called That Miss Muffy, and it's pretty much like a just a slight knockoff of the That Girl opening theme, which I'm going to put in right here. And if you kind of put that back and forth with uh, that Miss Muffy, it's pretty much the same. And the opening is the same as well. Like oh, the like same. like all the shots and stuff, yeah. like the gags all the, with like all... winking at the mannequin and all that stuff. Yeah, all that's all taken from the from the show. That she's wearing the same outfits as uh, uh as that girl. It's, I was just it's... gonna say fit report. A a a. A fit check on Muffy in this mm-hmm. opening. Some great fits. We get the purple dress. We get the white tracksuit. Uh, big fan of that. And then at the end, she has um, uh, a, a long, like, a dress tee, or I guess it's just a dress, but it's inspired by the same painter. Remember that episode where uh, Binky was the only one who knew that the painting was upside down? Yes. Um, it's I, I, it's escaping my name. It's some Scandinavian painter, but it's it's that same painter who does the famous abstract art with the big color blocks. Um, and that's a that's a dope dress. Yeah, it, it it is cool. I I thought it looked cool too. I just didn't really know how exactly to describe it. So I'm glad that you kind of fell on the sword there. Thank you. So yeah, that's the entire cold open, 
and the it's 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 pitch perfect. I watched the opening right after this Arthur Cold open, and it's like nearly one to one, and it shows that there was probably somebody on or some people on the team of either animators or writers who really liked that girl. So <laughs> it's just kind of a funny homage to their one of their favorite shows, I guess. Um, and it fits in with the theme too. The 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 rolling plot of the episode is that it's a three-day weekend coming up and Buster with a great line here happiness is pizza on a Friday right before a three-day weekend is that not the truth oh my gosh yeah we got a three-day weekend coming up here in Canada it's Victoria Day weekend because we're still a commonwealth country you got any big plans Will I'm going to be watching the WWE network pay-per-view Ooh. and little else probably working a little bit but uh nope not going to be getting up to too much beyond that just hanging out with my wife i'm uh going to be uh celebrating uh the end of classes essentially uh by going on uh me and some of my closest classmates are going to an airbnb in cape breton with no wi-fi uh so that'll be a fun time Nice. It's always good to unplug every now and then. Yes. Uh, so, I've done that in a while. The kids are all talking about what they're going to be doing over the weekend. Arthur owes DW a bunch of games. So again, Arthur, terrible gambler, has uh, <laughs> is has bet a lot of his time away. Uh, Sue Ellen mentions that she is going to Crown City. I, this, I believe, this is the first verbal reference to Crown City, which apparently is like Elwood City's version of either like Capital City from the Simpsons or like Metropolis in the DC universe. It's kind of like Elwood City's version of New York. Right. It's like Elwood City's a city, but it's uh, it's not like Crown City where, you know, Elwood City's not a city that would have a subway system, perhaps. It's probably closer to something like our city, like Halifax is a city, but yeah. it's not a capital C city. You know what I'm like, saying? Like, like Toronto or something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and they even have a theme song, Crown City. Which, again, lots of great music in this episode. The Cloud City theme song goes. It bangs. Not Cloud City, Crown City. Cloud City. Uh, yeah, if Cloud <laughs> City had a theme song, um, <laughs> like, I, 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 Lando's got, you know, Lando's got swag. I'm sure Lando could drop some sick bars about, you know, Cloud City. It's up in Bespin. I got Lobot making <laughs> oh. sure... He's my best man. No. Oh. Um, now I just, now I just want be- Billy D. Williams and Arthur. Just like, <laughs> how you how you doing there, Binky? My man. <laughs> Arthur, God. how'd you like some Colt forty five? <laughs> I just want Billy D. Williams to be it just more stuff in general. What a what a great actor. That was that was like the biggest genuine smile I had from the recent Star Wars trailer was Billy D. Williams and Chewbacca. Yeah, I'm glad he's okay. Remember when he came to a convention at our city and had, like, a heart attack? Did he? Yeah, like, at the, uh, because he played Hal, he could, he was signing at Halcon, and he had, like, there was, he was, like, an ambi- like, there was some sort of medical incident with him, I think. This might be all hearsay, but I could have sworn I heard about that. Oh, man. Well, I am glad that he's okay and still with us. He deserve. he certainly deserves to be. He's a, he's a ray of sunshine, he is. Uh, and I wish that he would he would be on Arthur. Yeah, I agree with you. I like Crown City's theme. It's uh, very catchy. 
I've been kind of humming that to myself today. Mm. Just Crown City, you're dynamite, you're peaches and cream. It's very good. So everybody is talking about all the trips that they've taken to Crown City before. Like Buster was there for an eating contest. Uh, Arthur went to go visit a museum with his family. But it turns out that Muffy has actually never been, which she covers up at first because she doesn't want to you know, seem beneath everybody. But she also ends up kind of worming her way into Sue Ellen's uh, trip to Crown City. Uh, she she does it. I, w- I will say she really pours it on when she's just like, you know, trying to convince Sue Ellen to take her. There's even a shot of where we get a close up on Muffy's face as she's looking at Sue Ellen and she like literally bats her eyes at her. I know that's kind of like Muffy's lying. Is like because there's a cut. We get a little bit of Muffy lying in this episode. It's funny how you mentioned Francine's a good liar earlier. Muffy's much more the uh, the Arthur school of lying, where she's kind of got an obvious tell. Well, it's obvious because she like puts on a whole other voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you're right. She's really transparent, and Sue Ellen, I guess, a little bit too trusting. But all the same, um, yes. So Sue Ellen agrees to take her, and Muffy has this idea of of Crown City from all the things she's heard. You know, it's going to be like penthouses and room service and, you know, luxury limos and all this kind of stuff. And Sue Ellen trying to tell her that it's not exactly going to be like that. Uh, But Muffy, you know, they show up to her mansion and she's got her luggage out and, and it's all like pink and frilly and for like, looks more like she's staying for a week than for three days. And, excuse me, and on the way there, Muffy is so excited she can't stop singing the Crown City theme song. Got to say, being trapped in a car with Muffy seems like its own kind of personal hell. Uh, yeah. I mean, we might as well get into this now, but Muffy uh, really goes on a spree in this episode in terms of like... I mean, Muffy's always unlikable. It's very consistent. It's not like DW where all of a sudden in the last week we were like, wow, DW is really uncharacteristically unlikable in this episode. Yeah, you know, th- This is just Muffy being Muffy, but it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. Muffy sucks. <laughs> I, I want to be a little bit kinder to her. Like, I... DW... I, I really wanted to be too, because you know what? I actually kind of like... It's funny. The Met Gala's been on my mind, and when Muffy's talking about like going to the gallery, it's like, okay, Muffy, she likes culture. She likes the finer things in life. She's a purveyor of the arts. Like I, I could see, I could kind of see some things from Muffy's perspective, but then like when we get to late, like later on in this episode, she just is beyond the pale. Like it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I'm definitely not going to come to her defense for absolutely everything. I just like you, I came into this wanting to be kinder to her because you know you you pitch me like hey both of these episodes are going to heavily feature muffy and i'm like Ugh. but so but i wanted to i wanted to give it a try i wanted to see about it and uh we'll see how we feel by the end uh so as they enter the city again great music we get this really dope saxophone riff really cool saxophone melody <laughs> plays them in uh, as they kind of go through the kind of more swanky district, the downtown New York of Crown City. But then they start to go into um, not so much the projects, I'd say, but just kind of the inner the inner city. And Muffy is kind of like, well, like, where are the hotels? Where are the theaters? Where is all this kind of stuff? And they're staying with, oh, gosh, I forgot to write her name down. Uh, the name of Sue Ellen's former babysitter, I want to say. Right, and that, so I assume this is who you thought would win Throwaway Character of the Week this week. Uh, no, actually, that oh. wasn't my guess. 
Interesting. We're, we, we haven't gotten to my guest yet. Oh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> there might... Okay, I know exactly. I think I might know who you're talking about, and there might be a competition. We'll, we'll save that. I forgot it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so they stay with uh, Sue Ellen's former babysitter. Sorry, I'm just getting her name right now. Her name is... Oh, I'm so sorry. Carla. Carla's her name. And she's kind of got she's kind of got like a Russian accent a little bit. Reminded me kind of of Lana in some places from WWE. Ah. So she's she really rolls the R's on some stuff. Uh so Muffy has a list of things that she wants to do. Three things. Uh like go to a fancy restaurant. She wants to go on a shopping spree, and then she wants to take in a tasteful cultural event. So the first thing they do is go to a restaurant. Uh, you know, Muffy thinks it's going to be like fancy and French, but it's actually an Ethiopian restaurant around the corner called Addis Ababa. And Great like, name. I was, like I was saying, well, I had not eaten dinner. I still have not oh, eaten dinner. No. This was like the this food looks so good. Like it and, looks so delicious. Oh, and the gi- and the gimmick of it is really cool too. It's like they give you like this giant bowl of basically all the ingredients you would need for a meal and then you like uh you separate a piece of bread and you just dip the bread in it and muffy's like where are the utensils and just like nope got to use your hands with with the bread that sounds so cool i'd love to go to a place like addis ababa and it did look pretty delicious you're right what there's a wait just a second there's some sort of listing for an, it's called Addis Ababa Ethiopian Restaurant on Quidpool Road. What the? No, no, there isn't. Hang on, it's on Facebook. Quid six one eight four Quidpool Road, Addis Ababa. What? No. Okay, so to be clear, Addis Ababa is the capital city of Ethiopia, so that's where they get that from. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm okay. I'm starting to suspect this place is not real because only. Three people have ever checked in. It is an unofficial page. So this might be just some kind of, like, joke. They and Their phone number is 902. Oh, I'm actually going to say their phone number on the pod. I just caught myself there. Okay, that's not real. Because uh, I Googled. So, what, I, what, I, what I Googled was Ethiopian food Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so um, I, I'm looking on Yelp right now. Somebody's asking about it. Apparently it got shut down a couple of years ago. Dang. That's too bad. That, like, after this, I was like, this sounds actually like a cool night out. No, the closest we have is Mary's African Cuisine, which I haven't been to. Mary's African Cuisine? I don't know if I've heard of it. Yeah, I've seen that. It's on um, Barrington. Barrington. Okay, I'm not around. I'm not around downtown very often, but I'm gonna have to I'm have to look that up. Uh, so Muffy is not exactly pleased with how this trip is going so far, uh, but she's still, you know, keeping high hopes that she'll be able to do something, you know, fancy. She's wearing like a. Well, speaking of wrestling, she's wearing like a Lacey Evans hat, like a big pink hat with like the the thing on the like the the chin wrap underneath, whatever yeah. you call it. We get another fantasy of her going on a shopping spree, which is next on her list, and we get a great line from this guy. Okay, this was actually one of my who I thought might have been throwaway character of the episode. Is that you know it's a fantasy of Muffy trying on all these outfits, and then the guy at the counter says, oh, "Excuse me, Miss, your credit card company is reporting that." You must spend more. <laughs> I thought that maybe that line would do it for you. I wish that my credit card company would 
call an establishment (laughs) encourage you to spend yes and they do go on a shopping spree the next day but they start at the local fish market which is cool i'd love to go to a real fish market where they're literally like throwing the fish around and muffy's having to duck the fish i've never been to one of those not 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 to flex but I, i have been to park pike place market in seattle and that's exactly what it was like it was very cool nice well, maybe someday. I'll have to put it on the bucket list. They do end up going to a boutique, but it's a dollar boutique, which Muffy is offended by. She sees, um, there's a line here I actually like. There's a, 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 to be fair to Muffy, she does get some good lines in this episode. Uh, she sees like a plastic earring and she says, plastic may be all right for the cap on a bottle of diet soda, but on my ears? Honestly. <laughs> You're right. Muffy, you know what? You can tell the, the writers are having fun writing Muffy. Um... Uh, again, I feel like still she's like at this point she's being it's like funny like her reaction to all these situations it's like okay let let's have Muffy go on this trip where it's not usually the type of trip Muffy would go on and yeah. she's going to be kind of incensed by like the surroundings and not appreciate them. Um, I think there's 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 a sorry. point where it just goes too far. I think the difference is for most of it that. Muffy's complaints don't affect the people around her. Like, they just keep having fun. And Muffy's like, no, this isn't what I imagined. If if she was, like, bringing everybody down, then I think that would, like, really put it put a damper on this episode. But it mostly doesn't. So I find it kind of inoffensive mm-hmm. as far as Muffy goes. I've definitely been more annoyed by her in the past. Uh, they go to a hot dog cart. I Dude... I, I'm sorry to talk about food this much. I don't want to keep you from your dinner for too much longer. I'm like, so hungry. <laughs> like, like, damn, dude, I want some hot dogs. It's funny, like, as uh, a part of the, this episode I really liked is like it's sort of it's very similar to like. I really love, like, 70s New York movies. You know what I mean? Like, I love yeah. kind of the celebration of the metropolis. It's what it's just something I, I, I like the fetishization of, of city life. It's just something I've always been into ever since I started watching movies, even when I was a young kid. I, I loved the idea of, like, the bright lights, big city, and, like, all the things that go along with it. And so, um, you know... Uh, me and my my sister is a graduation uh, sort of celebration because she's going to be graduating her well finishing her first year of university and I'm going to be graduating from school. Uh, we're going to Chicago for uh, a couple days and like the number one thing we're both excited for is like all the food we're going to eat like Chicago oh. style hot dogs, Chicago the deep style dish. the deep dish. deep dish, the deep dish pizza. Yeah, go to the Portillos, go to the Chick fil A, go to the 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 you know. The whole nine yards. Um, and so I, I think that this episode does a good job of like, you go to a big city. What's a cool part? The street food, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I went to Vancouver, I was, that was another thing that blew me away was just like, oh, you could just never eat at the same place twice and eat somewhere amazing for like a full year. So cool. And uh, yeah, it makes me want to go back to Big City too. This is actually great. <laughs> this is great tourism for, you know, major American cities. It makes me want to go back go back there or visit for the first time. Mm-hmm. I look forward to visiting Chicago sometime as well. Uh, never been there. We get another Muffy fantasy sequence where she's thinking of the cultural event she's going to take in. And she imagines it as an art exhibit where everything is about her. And this is the throwaway character i kind of had in mind here if not the credit card guy then andy warthog a and you know what 
I, I I take back what I said. Unfortunately, Ooh. too, Francine's uh, cousin Andy Warthog is indeed the throwaway character of the week, and this is my favorite part of both of these episodes. This part is uh, fantastic. Uh, it's it's an, a very it, a cleverish takeoff on Andy Warhol. And what I like best is it's Buster's voice actor, Daniel Brochu, during doing this very, like, breathy, like, what do you think of my new exhibits and, like, all this kind of stuff. I, I also really liked the inclusion of there was a, a Keith Herring or Keith. Uh, is it Keith yeah, Herring? Yeah, Keith yeah. Her- Keith Herring. There was a there was a Keith Herring stand in, which was had Keith Herring. Yeah, Keith Herring had long since passed away. Um when when this had come out but it was it's interesting because it's like like similar to andy warthog how it's just andy warhol's likeness like they literally make it look like andy warhol the the keith herring uh it's like a fish it's like a herring fish but he looks like keith herring as well and i was i i used to be way into keith herring back in the day so um i thought that was really cool um yeah it's it was it was a funny little shout out there, and I think a- Andy Warthog's new new exhibit is like, uh, you know, broken up cracker on plate. It's a great design. Again, it's a very old reference. It's for like your parents who would have watched My Girl or, or excuse me that girl when they were young and like grew up in the time Andy Warhol was popular. So That's right, WrestleMania two is it is the one with Andy Warhol showing up and and uh, um friggin cindy lopper or is that one is that wrestlemania one uh it might be it might be one 1985 19, or, or 86 some sometime around then uh for one and two uh so the but actually the uh the cultural event they end up taking in is they go to a poetry slam at like this art house and as we go in there's somebody doing just you know beat poetry and the first line is so let's take a riboflavin ride on a chartreuse caboose. <laughs> kind of just stereotypical, like, artsy-fartsy poetry slam type stuff. I thought it was funny. Uh, and Muffy is way not impressed. This is the last thing she wanted to do, and it's not at all what she imagined. She gets gum on her dress, and then she starts loudly complaining, which is, which normally, you know, not a not a fan of, but then they put the lights on her. They uh, the bongo guy starts going again, and Muffy like ends up doing her own slam poetry, just complaining about the city, and it actually kind of works. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and the two poet, like the bongo guy and the guy on stage, are like both way into it. Like they love it. Yeah, and they give her thumbs up. Everybody applauds her. Like I, I thought that was cool. Like that's the thing is that yeah. like if it brought everybody down, that would suck. But it everybody kind of goes with it or doesn't pay attention, and I think that's kind of makes it work in a strange way. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I guess my problems with Muffy in this episode really come to a head in this next scene where sort of Muffy is just like complaining, and then she like she, she loses her shoe, and then she's <laughs> really milking it here where she's like, I'll just wall, I'll. I'll just uh, hop, and then she's like, if I wasn't so weak, I would never... Like, literally, they're dragging Muffy into the subway, and she's like... I'm sorry. uh, uh, And and she's just like, she's so... uh, like, oh, woe is me. And I, you know, I really shouldn't color the whole episode because of this one moment because it really is one scene of the episode and it's sort of her lowest point before she kind of has her epiphany that the city's awesome. Um, but it's just so annoying. 
I have to be honest with you. I thought this was really funny. Like, <laughs> I have a bunch of quotes written down from here. Like before she gets her, she gets her shoe caught in the gr- in a grate, and before that, she just goes, "I am undone," <laughs> which, I thought, which I thought was funny. Then she, like you said, she gets her shoe caught, and then Sue Ellen's like, "Buffy, your shoe," and she's like, "No, leave it. I'll hop." She's just committed to feeling miserable. And the line that you also said there, too, you do realize if I were not so weak, I would absolutely refuse to go down here. Like, they they just tickled me in the right way. And especially considering where the episode goes after this, where we kind of and wrap up, um, it, it ends up being kind of okay. So they're down in the subway, and Muffy kind of takes in the city a little, a little bit, at least from here. They're in a very, very nice-looking subway station. It's like, you know, lots of nice... Um, street lights and chandeliers and that kind of stuff and it's very pretty looking great design on this great background um muffy sees street performers who are like playing music and uh playing especially well she likes that there's a pretzel cart i want pretzels now Lucas, i know I'm sorry. again they're they're cheese stuffed pretzels yeah. Oh. oh God. She sees uh, ballerinas getting off the subway. She sees yeah. subway ads for the symphony and other other events coming up. Um, a musical called Rats. And, <laughs> and uh, a a lantern festival, which is going on that night, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the end of uh, Russian Doll, if you've seen that on Netflix. I have not. Um, I, I I saw the memes. No, no, no spoilers. But there's a you know like a lantern festival at some point, so they decide to go to that. Muffy's che- Muffy's cheered up a little bit. She's gonna go buy herself a pretzel, and they're gonna go to this lantern festival. And and this is kind of where the episode ends. They get off the subway, and um, and Muffy starts singing the Crown City theme. And we end on a shot uh, earlier in the episode. Muffy bought a beret with like a cow pattern on it, right? And she throws it up. And like into the air, and she did this in the cold open too. This is actually a reference to the Mary Tyler Moore show. Again, another oh my goodness, another old show that I'm sure these creators grew up on, where she would like during the opening she would throw her hat up into the air. So again, another really interesting reference that I it, it really seems like everybody involved kind of did did went a little bit extra on this one, and it's appreciated, even though I may not completely appreciate the reference uh all right let's uh take it from the top here let's go back to francine's split decision lucas what did you make of this one uh, i didn't really like francine's split decision i mean there's nothing particularly wrong with it but i just kind of mentally checked out because it's so you know one things we always uh laud arthur for is that sometimes when it's doing more of the kind of like sitcom like formulaic episodes it always kind of finds its own unique angle um, it's very, uh, uh, creative in that sense. Um, and I just thought this was so like tried and true, like two places at once that like my brain just, I found it really hard to pay attention. There's nothing wrong with the episode. Like there's no glaring flaw or anything, but I just kind of got bored cause I could see where it was going. Uh, I, I liked as far as things I, I liked about it. I liked the oceans 11 montage. I liked all the stuff about sort of, um, Judaism and like I love it when like kid shows explain that kind of stuff because I find it really interesting because it's not necessarily something I'd be exposed to otherwise uh, but besides all that stuff all the actual like hopping between events stuff I was just like uh, whatever checked out I agree I didn't have a lot to say about this episode it was kind of just meh not bad not bad not good just kind of there uh, but I agree I think some of the stuff around it like 
Francine's relationship to Judaism. And then in the end, I did like the message of like, man, I should have done this fun thing with my family instead of worrying about this other thing. Even though a bowling tournament is a perfectly fine thing to worry about. Uh, I, I did kind of appreciate that it ended up there uh, by the end of the episode. I just don't have a lot to say about this. Like, you know, it, it, it's very much... You kind of know where it's going if you've seen one of these before. And, of course, it's for kids. So a lot of kids maybe haven't seen the two places at once gag before. But you and I have. So that's a good so point. It, this might have this might have been my first two places at one gag. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've seen it before, so it doesn't do a whole lot. And there's not a whole lot to say. They kind of play it very uh, close to type. So, you know, whatever. Don't begrudge it. It's just, meh. Um, i got to be honest. Muffy Goes Metropolitan... One of my favorites of the season already. Um, it's weird. I really didn't expect this, uh, especially going into it. I was like, oh, it's a Muffy episode. I really like, I think I found it really refreshing that we changed locales for this. I thought that Crown City was super interesting. Um, I loved the idea, just kind of the idea of it being around the characters of this, you know, even bigger city that you can go to and Muffy's kind of expectations of it. I thought Muffy was actually funny in this episode. There, I copied down quite a few of her of her quotes. And like I said, they managed to find a way to make her stay, have her stay true to her character, her character game, but also not have her drag down the episode as a result, uh, which is a big change from, say, the last episode, Castaway, with DW, which I thought did bring down the episode. This was Muffy being true to type, but not letting it affect the enjoyment of what was going on. And by the end, I actually really like Muffy's turn, where she sees another part to the city uh, that has what she was looking for all the time, or she goes in with expectations and ends up finding something better, which I really appreciate as kind of an end goal for a character. Um, yeah, I, I just thought this was really fun. It's I don't know if it's you know one of the best episodes of the series or... We'll see if it's one of the best of the season, but I thought this was really enjoyable, and especially for a Muffy episode, that's high praise, so I think they did something really cool here, and like I said, it seemed like there was some real inspiration behind this one, like they really wanted to 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 make something cool out of this, and I'd say they succeeded. Well, if you've ever read any film criticism, you know that a lot of movies, the main character isn't actually the main character, but it's the city of New York. And in this case, the main character is not necessarily Muffy. It's Crown City. Um, and that, you know, that cliche aside, uh, I, I actually tend to agree with you. It sounds like I was I'm, I'm more down on Muffy than you are, but I think it's because that... I don't know. I, I I think I put myself too much into uh, Sue Ellen's shoes and just thought about how annoying it would be to go on vacation with Muffy. But you make a really good point. She kind of does have her redemptive arc in this episode, which we in the episodes where we have the biggest problems with Muffy, she doesn't really grow or learn. She just kind of goes back to the default. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of earned all the her her suckiness in the in the start. But like I said. This ad, uh, this this episode, I call it an ad almost subconsciously because <laughs> this episode really had me thinking about, you know, all these, like, movies I watch, like Manhattan or, or you know, movies that are just about living in the city and how yeah. much I sort of relate to those and how I much I, I, I sort of just love that setting and I love this, this celebration of metropolitan life. Um, and so, uh, this episode got me thinking again, thinking about excited to go to Chicago. It got me thinking about all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is really like an effective piece of like, 
uh, uh, sort of bottling up that feeling of like, ooh, we're going on a trip to the big city. Look at all these things we could do in the big city. Um, but with its own Arthur spit on it. And, and similarly, I, I really enjoyed it. And maybe I'm sort of uh delirious from hunger uh and all the awesome like almost like this is the closest arthur has gotten to like studio ghibli in terms of like making me hungry with animated food uh but uh i i i also really enjoyed the episode and i thought it was a really like you said original original um you know something we don't really talk about that much is how a lot of arthur episodes if they're taking place at the school the backgrounds are already drawn so they can reuse art from previous episodes or assets from previous episodes, but all the crowd city stuff is completely original, right? They have to start from scratch. So I think that's something to be lauded. Um, and again, like Andy Warthog, that's just incredible. And I hope we see crown city again. Uh, I hope we go back there in some form or fashion. That would be really cool. Um, great. I'm glad that we both kind of got, we ended up kind of getting the same thing out of that. Not that we always have to agree, but it's funny how you mentioned it being a very original episode versus, you know, Francine split decision, not exactly what I would call an original episode. So you kind of have a little bit of a mix of everything in this one. And that's going to do it for this episode of Elwood city limits. I'm going to wrap us up quickly here because I want Lucas to go and eat for goodness sakes. I didn't realize I was keeping you from dinner. Uh, next time on the podcast, thank you for listening, by the way. We really appreciate it. We're going to be talking about ants in Arthur's pants and don't ask Muffy. Muffy's getting a lot of play in this early season. Uh, uh, hopefully, that's what we've always wanted, right, is for Muffy to uh, be redeemed. So let's hope we. this is, you know, Muffy Goes Metropolitan is the start and we just keep, keep uh, the trend going. For sure. Patrons, don't forget to be looking out for our Detective Pikachu review coming sooner rather than later once we both take in the cinema. And then we will be back here on the main feed. My name is Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini, I went to a pie-eating contest at the mayor's house. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Go eat something.